Bilingual in America. Tunei el loga fi America. Bilinguismo negli Stati Uniti. Bilingue in America. Ser bilingue in America. I'm Suzanne Suzanne, this has been such an amazing journey. It's been six episodes for Bilingual in America. And as I think back to the episodes that we've done so far, you know, I thought this was a great time for us to just take a pause and reflect and think of the conversations that we've had. When you think about the interviews that we've hosted, what conversation have you really made a connection to? Wow. So, right. Thinking back, I mean, we've been working on this since January and there have been so many juicy segments and pieces, but I have to say that one of the conversations that I really connected to has to be the one, uh, episode mm, three, definitely with Inas and Josie, where they talked about, you know, we talked about that cultural mash and I so respect them for the way that they have guarded and intentionally created a space for their native language. Um, and even Yurika from episode two, right? Like I think about Ines and Yurika who speak Japanese and Arabic, which are low incidence languages and how hard it must be to preserve that and to grow that with their children. I married a Colombian Knowing the importance of our roots, we also make sure our kids know the traditions and the roots. My kids speak English fluently and Spanish fluently, and they can read both languages. It's not only speaking the language, it's them knowing how to read and how to embrace their, their ancestry. That's very important for us. The ancestry, is, it's, we believe that the traditions from our parents and from our culture make them more intellectual and they personally grow. My kids eat Colombian food, they eat Puerto Rican food, they eat cheeseburgers like Americans do, but it is important that they know where we come from. My kids know that as Latins, we have Spanian, African, and native Indian blood. They are very proud of their heritage because they think this makes them stronger as a person and it gives them a different like identity. I think it really resonates for me or left me thinking about my own family experience in that the way that Yiddish was lost within one generation from the Eastern European Jews who came over and how quickly there was this need, uh, this urgency to assimilate and speak English and that that language has really just become, is no longer a part of our cultural history. And so I mourn that, right? I mourn that as something that I don't know or have a connection to except from my parents or grandparents. So I definitely say for me, it's um, the focus on, on, on that aspect of the conversation on this cultural mash that we live in here in the US. Of the episodes that we've done, one through five, what really has had a lasting impression or you have connected most with in terms of our interviews? 
It's funny that you mentioned specifically episode three, that cultural mash, because um, for different reasons, I feel like that really touches my heart as well. When I think about my own mom's experience, which was just a mirror, really, of many people's experiences, being told that she needed to speak to us in English only, and she had knew you know, a handful of words, how was she going to parent five children? How was she going to help us blossom and grow or, you know, comfort us, you know, and I'm, I'm grateful that she, she didn't follow that advice, but that there's still so many people who, who have that misconception that they need to acclimate quickly and they need to embrace English quickly. And yes, you want to acclimate. Yes, you want to start transitioning and, 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 and using English but never letting go of that language. And especially the experience that you share, how Yiddish was lost in a generation that, that's really painful, right? To, to know that something beautiful existed and it was erased just like that because of those same fears, right? That we, we're here and we need to acclimate quickly. So it's similar, I find it interesting that that's also an episode that really connected to your heart as well. As I continue to think about the episodes, because the conversations were just so rich and so different, right? right? They're just so different, but they really do cover the human experience. What's something that you felt like left a lasting impression on you like i'm never gonna forget this hmm. i think so i think one of them is um the way how giddy you and i were when we listened to nancy cloud's interview right definitely oh um, yeah was, was a high point for me because i remember my first year as an educator in uh, District 10 in the Bronx going to a professional development workshop and that was when I was introduced to her in 1997 and just really just being so smitten and um, to have the opportunity to to include her in our passion project definitely but also talking with Dr. Preciado because as someone who works with students at the university level um, pre-service educators and the the energy that he puts forth into preparing them with a clear understanding about the importance and value of being bilingual made me really hopeful that it's not just the work we do as building level or district level educators, but also at the university level as we think about future generations. And what they're learning there is not just about them being better educators, it's about being better human beings and really making that connection. This notion of this constant isolation and students not, not feeling like they belong, that we need to pay attention to that. And, and uh, this, this notion of marginalization where some students feel marginalized in school, we, we really have to pay attention to that. And, not ignore that and, and so why why is that why why are why do they feel this way and i think i think one component is that when you are coming sometimes from a different culture and when you don't necessarily feel your see that you're being represented you're not necessarily feeling feel welcome and um, it can, it's uh, it's a strain and i think some students it it, it hits students differently and some students really impacts their learning more than others. It's interesting that you reference really our experts from 
episode one, which is Speak Your Beauty, and episode two, which was The Fat Kid on the Seesaw. Um, and you're right, they're both Dr. Preciado and um, Dr. Cloud are at the university level really with this charge of creating excellence in a conversation where excellence wasn't always embraced. They are true leaders, and, and I have to agree with you, those, those two experts really touched my heart as well. As we continue to, to think about the work that we've started here, is there any conversation or episode that surprised you in any way? I think what surprised me would have to be in episode one, where we did the introduction of Speak Your Beauty, listening to both Kelly and Gerland, who are professional educators many years later, and they still remember how difficult it was as that new student on a variety of levels and how that has informed the work that they do. And it's such a vivid memory for them. You would think that they'd only been here a few years when in reality, they've been here for decades at this point. Isn't that something, it's so true. When you have an experience like that, it's still very alive and fresh in your mind. And you're right, that's the lens that, that we wear when we look at another youngster, another family, who's courageous enough to, to say, okay, we're gonna start a new life and it's gonna look like this. I think one of the things that surprised me in the conversations that we had with people was when we spoke to Dr. Vasquez in episode five, remote learning. Uh, ready or not, here it comes. Um, I was surprised at the things that she shared about families' hesitations and concerns when we went remote, like how families didn't have email. Families were fearful. They thought that sweeps were happening how they um, thought that there was a charge for the technology that was being lent out so that educating their youngster could continue. You know, I just thought how, again, I'm just astounded at how brave they are and how courageous they are, how they live their lives, you know, really reaching for, for that life of excellence for their children and, and how they're trying to figure it all out and not understanding yet how education works in the United States or how or what their rights are or what they're entitled to. It, it really, I just thought, wow. I can't even imagine what that must feel like, right? To, to feel so vulnerable and so brave at the same time. Yes. And what she said was important, especially when she talked about this we can attitude. Like, absolutely, we're going to figure this out. I may have never been on social media. I may have never used some instructional platform, but um, I'm going to do this because this is what my child needs and this is what is being asked of me right now. I can understand why for you, that definitely was one of those episodes that just, you know, makes you feel good in the end, right? Absolutely. And then it makes you feel good. What about an episode that you feel has really elevated um, the opportunity for others to speak their beauty? You know, that's a really good question. And as I think about all the beautiful stories that were told. Uh, I have to say that I really love the episode, um, 
episode four it was when um was called it takes a bilingual village i felt like that episode really you heard people's commitments their love uh their humanity how rosie spoke about um how she vividly remembered the smells and, and the sights of, of her home country land in, in Mexico, but then how she came here and her dad said, no, now we're here and now we embrace this. She helped in raising, because they're siblings of nine, right? They were nine children. I can't even imagine when we listen to Isabel and Judy talk about their commitments through the work in El Centro Hispano, where they really are the village of that community and how they've sacrificed so much um, to give back because they knew that they received so much. It's really an honor to hear people speak about their stories, their experiences, and the responsibility that they feel that they have to, um, not that they have to, that's not even it, that they want to contribute in a way that continues to elevate people. We have this passion inside of us, Yarina, for second language learning. And the same thing comes across with so many, or I'd say all of our guests, and a joyous responsibility that we feel to, to bring this to light. And it was great that I recently received a private message from a listener, and she references the bilingual village and the richness of it that she is trying to pour into her own children how she is working really hard and i'll read a piece of it it says anyway i try to create my own bilingual bubble trying to feel the togetherness through all the digital resources we have like your podcast bilingual schools cinema and tv she said and the best result is the joy i see in my children's eyes every day no matter the language because love does not depend on culture race or language it's a common factor in any village wow that's beautiful right and to think that something that you and i came together to to share with others would touch someone else in in a way that she articulated so i think beautifully reminds me of how important what we do is not only as educators but as human beings absolutely and you know what's beautiful about that communication while it was a private message she's speaking her beauty she's elevate right i mean she, she has voice that episode and her other collective experiences contribute to her voice and her freedom to and her commitment that she can provide that for her children. I mean, I, I'm just so touched by that. Right now, as we get ready to go back to school, I'm sure many listeners are thinking about this through their lens as a parent or an administrator or as a teacher. And I wonder, Yadina, for you, what are some areas that you would really like to see transformed in terms of our bilingual students and their families? You know, it's such a great question. I think what, when I see a family walking in and they're coming for a, a, a school interview and a tour, and just to get a taste of, of what their school building will provide, what the people will provide, that moment is a lovely moment 
and it's an easy moment. But what you see on their faces is just like they've just arrived. They're still processing their shell shots. And so right away, when we invite our students in, we quickly assess them and then we start working. Okay, they need to learn their alphabet. All right, let's start learning numbers and colors. And we want them give them um, some language so that they feel like they're already part of the community. But we never stop to think about um, really what, what they've gone through. What do they need to do to arrive to, and now you begin? Because really, they went through a whole lot to get to that door. Did they have to leave family behind? Did they have to leave their favorite toy? So many times I asked children, I said, do you have a toy? And they said, no. And I, it, you know, I always think about as a little girl, how that one special toy was the thing that helped me get through something. So they, they even had to leave something as special as a toy and literally just walk with the clothes on their back. If they had to leave their mother, you know, I can't imagine someone being separated that like, way. So, you know, while we want to start educating right away, I feel like we always have to pause and just honor what they've just gone through and and just allow that to, to just sit for a moment and now start throwing things at them that maybe they're not ready to, to process and learn yet. Just to get to know the holistic child and even the holistic family, to honor humanity that way for a minute, just for a minute. I know that our role is to educate, but we have to also honor people where they are in that moment. Yeah, so I'm remembering when I was in grad school, we read this book called The Inner World of the Immigrant Child by Agoa. And it talked just about that, Yadi, like the effective filter and how to really make sure you connect with your kids. And I think what you're talking about right now is also something we're hearing because of COVID this attention to SEL, social emotional learning. And so now, oh, we have to embed this for teachers, for students, for families, because it's such a concern for everyone. Yet SEL is so important when we're trying to connect with our newly arrived children who come from another culture, who speak another language. We can only hope that we know the importance of providing that academic instruction but that human component has to come first and goes a long way if we do it the right way absolutely i like what you said right there and if we do it the right way because we forget that we're dealing with complete human beings and doing it the right way is getting to know who they are as a person what their passions are what they just went through do they do they need to cry? Do they need to be quiet for a moment? Just honoring whatever it is, because it's all all right. Because we know that they'll learn English. You know, I often remember you saying, right? You haven't met a child who hasn't learned English, right? Nope. So we know that's gonna happen. It's not going to hurt them in any way, and actually it might actually really support them if we give them that time. I think it's important. Such a good question, such an important question. 
you've heard us share, we're educators. And this is a, a labor of love for us. It's a passion project that we'll continue to grow and nurture. And we look forward to elevating the conversation even more. So it is hard to believe that we have six bilingual in America episodes that have aired so far. Woohoo! And as, yes, and as educators who are returning to these trying, varying educational structures, we don't know what we're going to expect. We're going to take a moment to pivot. And we're announcing today that we'll be releasing episodes bi-weekly. So our next episode will be September 9th. But don't fear. We have many more stories to tell, more insights to share, more issues at hand that we want to clarify, that we want to educate around. But in the meantime, do subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And we thank you. We thank you for your enthusiasm, for your feedback, and for your support. And yes, continue to speak your beauty. See you September 9th.